Welcome, everyone, to the now, Tory as Says Show. As, as I General said Jim. earlier, um, to many, earlier as in years, uh, there will be a time when we will have to remember the past four years, not as a blur, but what has happened. And I say this with um, a heavy heart sometimes because it feels that even those that need to understand how warfare is played out. Those that you believe are experts, those that believe they understand, and those that believe they know. I can tell you that as far as history goes, man has always engaged in some form of warfare. We've had many, many wars and when you engage in warfare, you seek to find any which way to tackle your enemy. Uh, you surround them, you put them in a box, you pen them in a corner, capturing their soldiers, their spies, everything. But the most underestimated tactic of all warfare when it is effectively used, is the psychological manipulation that can demoralize and weaken the morale of the population you are targeting. So prior to striking, prior to an attack to make your win more efficient with great efficacy, you have to do that by avoiding unnecessary bloodshed or creating more hostiles, you demoralize them. The most effective intimidation and demoralization strategies have been seen through history. Psychological well-being of the people, of the soldiers, because you are that soldier. You are a shareholder in this nation. Therefore, you are considered an army to them. This is how you harness power back. So that way you can use it on whatever front or battlefield you choose. And as we see in 2020, that battlefield is the media in the cyberspace. One way back man's the Aztecs, they used to use a whistle to induce panic that something was whistling through the air. And that would disallow the people and the soldiers from sleeping. Reproducing sounds of pain, screams, adding to it, torture the others, and they cannot go to war in the morning. They cannot sleep. They live in fear. Again, to defeat an enemy, you have to enter their thoughts, their hearts, and their minds like a virus, defeating them from within by infiltration. Infiltrating the ranks is not something new. 
In fact, espionage and double, triple, quadruple, kajillion no agents have existed throughout time. But if I can kidnap your, your essence and play on your fears, huh, I've already won. The one thing that a lot of people today complain about is how the past four years, the administration has made and laid the way that there are many enemies and they're being held without accountability right now. There is no accountability. So that, in essence, demoralizes us, correct? I mean, there's got to be a separate law for them, a separate tier of justice. Empires throughout time have risen and fallen, many of them, before a dr someone even drew a sword. This is exactly the warfare you are seeing now. It's irregular warfare. Irregular warfare using different strategies to chip away at your morale before the battle begins. And that in itself is the ultimate victory. So as many people hear the war drums coming, as many people shout and pound their chest that we're ready, we're this, in essence, almost all of them are demoralized. They have yielded. They have bent the knee. And that's because if everyone's saying it, it has to be true. This is how cancel culture works. They've just canceled your vote. They've just canceled your voice. They've just canceled you. And the people that are striving to do the good, the people that believe that they are helping, the people that are in a position to help, are all doing it wrong. Many wars throughout history have been won in very unconventional ways, right? We've heard about the 300 Spartans. We've heard, you know, there's just been so many that you're like, damn, that was some pretty good strategy. But it was always the mind behind the strategy. Did you know that the Spartans, when they decided to take on the Persians themselves, there was an army of tens of thousands against 300 people, right? Odds are not in their favor, of course. The person who actually conjured the idea of how to win was someone that everyone in Sparta hated. Did you know that? Everybody in Sparta hated him. Why? Because they didn't know him. They couldn't figure out who he was. There are many myths surrounding that, that, you know, he was, came from the skies, uh, that he was, uh, you know, the special son of someone that was banished because he was like, you know, handicap or whatever, and then came back. Many stories that go around, many. But the truth lies in the fact that nobody knew him. And yet, when it came to that time to listen, Leonidas did. He listened. Why? Because the one thing he said was, there are many strategies. 
We have them all out here. We've been working as soldiers. We've been training. We understand. And this man, we don't know him. We can't find him. Yet everything he has said has come one after another correctly done. He told us that there will be tens of thousands coming. He told us not to, I, I think it was the wheat that was infected with something. I, it was uh, something in their food. He did tell us and warned us of the people within us that were trying to destroy us. So the conversation ensued between them. And the leader said, yes, he wants to take us down to a narrow strait. He wants us to go right there. But I believe that is the only way we can sequester the enemy. And so they trusted. And they walked in faith, not in sight, in faith. Because sometimes the truth is a really hard pill to swallow, especially if you're a leader like Leonidas was, right? Leonidas, let's Americanize it, right? When you're a leader of that stature, it takes a lot to humble yourself to listen to a guy. No one knows where he came from. No one knows how he came. Actually, there's probably, uh, there were tales as well that he was, um, what is it, the, the local gigolo from surrounding places in Greece. I'm just saying, there was tons of rumors. Yet when it came down to the crunch, Leonidas used his inner peace, his inner strength to pick and say, all right, you know what, everybody, these strategies are great. We could use this formation, everything. But I think this guy who nobody knows, who has been right about a lot of things, may have better insight. So we're going to go on faith because as warriors, we have this gut feeling. Even though we see all, we know all, and we have gotten battle scars from winning so many, we're going to trust it. And they did. And they went down in history for that because it was irregular warfare. It was irregular warfare because the Persians, as they were coming in, well, they were called the barbarians, not the Persians. I'm just giving you imagery from the movie 300, okay? But their 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 ability to psychologically hijack them by flexing in their presence made a lot of soldiers flee and be in fear this is exactly what's happening to us now we are the 300 right and look at how many people how many enemies surround our nation. And not only that, they have the megaphone. They control our social media. They control our banking. They control our television sets, our entertainment, our food, our water. They have every ability to intimidate and demoralize us. That way we can put our weapons down before the war begins. That is the best way to take out your enemy. And for the past four years, this is exactly what's been happening. So much proof 
so much evidence, right? But we can't do anything. We've been battle crying, war crying for so long and nothing has happened. And you have to think, why hasn't anything happened? Because they've been throwing roadblocks. They've been mitigating. They've been taking that stand they could. And now they have you right where they want you. But no, we're going to break this calm silence we have. And we have. So we're starting to break it. And those that stood by us, the media that arose that everyone got excited for, the people that arose with us in this battle, right, have now made their voices heard. But we, we as a people are coming up as one mighty giant roar and we will come swift and maximize the damage to the enemy regardless if they believe that our morale has been shooken to the core, of course. And this is something that happens all the time. But in order for you to understand just how easy it is to demoralize, you have to understand how they gather that intelligence, how they are able to find these buttons. Now, we do have technology, and we can create algorithms to predict how people will respond, what you will do, how you will act in a situation, right? And this happens all the time. And no matter how many times you tell yourself, mm-hmm, I'm here to just ground you, humanity has this lack of self-worth, which has been skewed from, we're talking Roman times. We had persecution of people who believed in good. Remember, the Christians were persecuted. 200 years after the death of Christ, they were being persecuted. And it wasn't empire-wide, okay? It started with like little mobs that would pop up. You know, sometimes local authorities would come in, smack them, kill them, silence them. Now I want you to think of that faith in freedom and how the same thing has been going on now. History repeats itself. Remember, hell itself isn't worms crawling up your nose, fire up your butt. You know, hell in itself is you repeating everything again and again and again and going through that torture as if in the end, you know, there's going to be a different outcome. I'm just going to do this again. And so this is where it repeats itself again and again and again. Humanity has been condemned to have that eternal torturous situation. So if you look to the past, it proves the future because it's there. It's never left. You will be confronted with all your choices that you've made, not you specifically in general, as a whole humanity. Hell is losing your sanity. Have you ever gotten so drunk or so high that you actually felt that you lost your mind? I could tell you there were three times in my life I felt that way. And they're not very pleasant. Not very pleasant. So in order for you to understand 
how operations are conducted, I found this really fun video uh, from Pablito's Way. And it was quite interesting. He talks about how spies actually operate. And I think you need to see this, hear it, I guess, more hear it. Sometimes if you close your eyes and envision it yourself, uh, it um, makes more sense. But when you understand how clandestine operations throughout time operate, right, and work and function, you'll be able to understand a lot more. So take a listen to this short clip. Number nine, Lucky Luciano. Charles, or Lucky Luciano's story as a spy, has an uncanny resemblance to the movie Suicide Squad. Having come from a family of crime lords, Luciano was responsible for bringing about a change in the way the mafia and other criminal organizations worked. He was born in November 1897 and was of Italian-American ethnicity. For someone sentenced to 30 to 50 years in prison, he did extremely well for himself when he was negotiated a secret deal with the U.S. government. In 1942, the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence was concerned about German and Italian agents entering the United States through the New York waterfront. They also worried about sabotage in these facilities. So, because of the fact that the Costa Nostra controlled the waterfront, the Navy struck a deal with Luciano. Luciano promised the complete assistance of his organization in providing intelligence to the Navy in exchange for a lesser sentence. Luciano ally Albert Anastasia, who controlled the docks, allegedly promised no dock worker strikes during World War II. However, the value of Luciano's contribution to the war effort is highly debated. In 1947, the naval officer in charge of Operation Underworld discounted the value of Luciano's wartime aid. But on January 3rd, 1946, as a presumed reward for his alleged wartime cooperation, Governor Thomas E. Dewey reluctantly commuted Luciano's sentence on condition that he didn't resist deportation to Italy. Luciano accepted the deal, although he still maintained that he was a U.S. citizen and not subject to deportation. On February 2nd, 1946, two federal immigration agents transported Luciano from Sing Sing Prison to Ellis Island in New York Harbor for deportation proceedings. Well, there you have it. How many of you guys knew Lucky Luciano was a spy? Number eight, Virginia Hall. The limping lady is what she goes by. You might be wondering why. Virginia Hall, an American spy born in Maryland, used her prosthetic leg to secretly transmit information. Well, I guess that'll do it. She worked for the British Special Operations Executive and also for the CIA. Hall severed her dream of joining the foreign services when she accidentally shot herself in the leg during hunting. Wow, she plaxico-burrist herself. The left leg had to be cut off and replaced with a wooden prosthetic. However, even with her disability, she was a force to be reckoned with. She's pretty much considered America's greatest female spy. Virginia Hall had made it to the German most wanted list. She was helping the French resistance in the then-occupied France, having equipped three brigades with the necessary knowledge and skill to fight back against the Germans. She had proved that she was an absolute essential element in defeating the Axis forces. She was also successful in providing valuable reports to the SOE and had never been caught by the enemies. 
for her efforts in France, General William Joseph Donovan in September 1945 personally awarded Hall a Distinguished Service Cross, the only one awarded to a civilian woman in World War II. President Truman wanted a public award of the medal. However, Hall declined, stating that she was, quote, still operational and most anxious to get busy. She was also made an honorary member of the Order of the British Empire. Fun fact, she named her prosthetic leg Cuthbert and used the name as a code during her entire career as a spy. Number seven, Noor Inayat Khan. Born on the 2nd of January, 1914, Noor Inayat Khan, also known as Nora Baker or Madeline, was an Allied Special Operations Executive Agent trained to carry out espionage missions. She was a British spy of Indian and American origin who furthered the French resistance. She was a descendant of a South Indian ruler, Tipu Sultan. She joined the physician network headed by Francis Suttle and continued to send messages to London regarding the status quo of the network. Gradually, the members of the network were arrested and security was amped up. You'd think that with difficult times raining down on her, she would have gone back to London. But in fact, she was the only member of the circuit left so she continued to elude Nazi officers in an attempt to serve the SOE. She couldn't make public appearances for long and had to be on the move constantly while contacting her bosses in London. What's incredible is that even though her employers betrayed her, she refused to give up any insider information to her captors. After her capture in Paris, she was tortured and shot in the head by the Nazis. Her last words were recorded and supposedly to be Liberté. She was later bestowed with the prestige of the George Cross Award. Noor Inayat Khan is the first Asian Muslim woman to have a bronze sculpture established in her honor in Britain. Number six, Klaus Fuchs. Klaus Fuchs was a nuclear physicist from Germany who worked for the British on a secret atom bomb project called Tube Alloys. He had also worked on the American and Canadian Manhattan Project. He's closely associated with the origin of nuclear weapons and the hydrogen bomb. He had fled along with his family to Britain in 1933 to avoid being persecuted by the Nazis. After the Tube Alloys project began, the Soviet officials had contacted him to obtain information about the project. He started sharing vital information with the Soviets through secret meetings after World War II. In 1950, he confessed to being a spy for the USSR to the British forces. Stripped of his British citizenship, he began to serve his imprisonment term of 14 years. A lot of people surrounding Fuchs were also implicated in this case, including his co-worker and sister-in-law. It was Fuchs's contributions that propelled the Soviet research into the right direction. He was released from jail in 1959, his term having been reduced because of good behavior and sent to East Germany. Number five, Mata Hari. A Dutch spy who worked for Germany, Margarita McLeod led a more colorful life in terms of her dancer background. She was known to be a courtesan and believed to be the quintessential femme fatale, what with her using her powers of seduction to wriggle out information from army officers. For you dudes out there that can't figure out what courtesan means, let's just say the more common term rhymes with book and ends with er. Having studied to be a teacher, Margarita built the perfect facade. When she visited her lover in the hospital, she was roped into work as a spy by the German forces. 
They believe that she'd be able to allure the crown prince into telling her secrets of great importance. As part of the German Secret Service, she continued to perform in bars, attracting officials and other important authorities. This enabled her to supply Germany with reports. However, the French were alerted about her inconspicuous activities and began to track her. To say Faye, she had to show her loyalty to the Allies, and for that very reason, she went to Brussels with French orders. It all went down the drain when the French caught wind of a message pinpointing Matahari to be a German spy. She was executed in France on the 15th of October, 1917, by a firing squad. Yeah, definitely some big risks for these types of jobs. Number four, Earl Pitts. A former student of the University of Missouri, Earl Pitts was in the Army for five years and also a former FBI special agent. Having gotten a job at the FBI office in New York City, his responsibility was to investigate intelligence officers of the Soviet Union roaming undercover as diplomats. However, Pitts was found to be a traitor to the U.S. Apparently, he sold the information he had on these officers to a Russian spy simply because he had issues with the FBI. Really? That's all it takes? What happened, and now officials found out he was playing for the other team, is for sure just like out of a movie. What had happened was that Pitts himself had contacted the Russian embassy offering to sell his information as a past spy. That letter fell into the hands of a very cunning Russian diplomat named Alexander Karpov, who later himself became a turncoat for the U.S., and when he defected was when he ratted Pitts out to the U.S. The FBI caught Pitts by convincing him that the Russian government wanted to reactivate him as a spy. Pitts offered his services to the Soviets in 1987 while he was assigned to the FBI's New York office where he was assigned to hunt and recruit KGB officers. After the thing began, Pitts' ex-wife, Mary Pitts, also a former FBI employee, told the FBI that she suspected her husband was a spy, though he never disclosed his status as a double agent to her. Now I bet that's one of the toughest things to do, being a spy and not being able to tell anyone. Number three, Josephine Baker. Invisible Ink has helped many of us, but who'd have thought that it made for excellent spying tool? Baker was an entertainer during the jazz age. She had become very popular as a dancer and was given titles like Creole Goddess, Black Pearl, etc. However, she was later hired by the French military intelligence to assimilate all the information she possibly could about the Germans. Baker collected what information she could about German troop locations from officials she met at parties. She specialized in gatherings at embassies and ministries, charming people as she had always done, while gathering information. Her fame enabled her to rub shoulders with those in the know, from high-ranking Japanese officials to Italian bureaucrats, and to report back what she heard. She attended parties and gathered information at the Italian embassy without raising suspicion. Maybe they were fooled into thinking what she could possibly do with such data. For a little while, when the Germans took over France, she went into hiding. But later, she resumed her role as a spy in North Africa. When the Germans invaded France, Baker left Paris and went to her home in the south of France. She housed friends who were eager to help the free French effort led by Charles de Gaulle and supplied them with visas. As an entertainer, Baker had an excuse for moving around Europe visiting neutral nations such as Portugal, as well as some in South America. She carried information for transmission to England about airfields, harbors, and German troop concentrations in the west of France. Notes were written in invisible ink on Baker's sheet music. 
wonder how many famous musicians are spies now. Hmm. Number two, Yoshiko Kawashima. Raised in Japan, Yoshiko Kawashima was a Chinese princess of Manu descent. Born in May 1907, she worked as a spy for the Japanese Kwantung Army while the Second Sino-Japanese War was going on. Her spy career began in Shanghai when she met Tanaka Raikuchi, a Japanese intelligence officer. He used her connections to gain information, and even after he left for Japan, she continued to supply the Japanese with intelligence. Her missions were successful to an extent, and she quickly gained the favor of the royal family in China. Kawashima became well acquainted with Puyi, the last emperor of the Qing dynasty, who regarded her as a member of the imperial family and welcomed her into his household during his stay in Tianjin. It was through this close liaison that Kawashima was able to persuade Puyi to become a figurehead ruler for Manchukuo, a puppet state created by the Japanese in Manchuria. She is known to have trained 3,000 to 5,000 bandits. When she was captured for treason, she momentarily adopted her Chinese identity only to discard that so as to evade this charge. Her downfall came in 1948 in China when she was executed by Chinese counterintelligence officers with a shot in the back of the head. Number one, Jason and Suzanne Matthews. Nicknamed the real-life Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Jason and Suzanne Matthews were spies who have been involved in operations concerning the Stasi, Soviet Union's KGB, and North Korea, for example. In case you forgot, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was a movie about a married couple who discovered that they were both assassins with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie playing the couple. Jason and Suzanne worked for the American CIA, and Jason described his work as a spy as protecting his country's secrets while stealing those of the opposition. Now a best-selling novelist, Jason's book, Red Sparrow has been edited by the CIA and is set to be made into a blockbuster movie. Kind of interesting, but it's a little ironic because I'd imagine when you work for the government, you'd think that you have a lifetime worth of secret keeping to do. Guess not. Anyways, it seems to be that they had a very superhero-esque job. During the day, they worked in embassies as diplomats, and at night, they were scouring for information beyond borders. Reportedly, they have experienced home invasions, threats, and the likes of which would give anyone the inability to sleep at night. And that went on supposedly even after their retirement. That speaks volumes about the delicate nature of their previous jobs as spies. For most people, learning a different language for their job is the toughest part of the job. But for Jason and Suzanne, it was probably as easy as it got. Here's what's next. World War II escalated. Someone needed to stand up to Hitler. And that man was Winston Churchill. All right. I hope that kind of walked you through as to what we're really dealing with today. This is all an intelligence operation, a counterintelligence operation, a counter-counterintelligence to that operation, all with people. And here's the thing that happens. This is chaos. This is perfect chaos. Chaos that confuses them all. No one knows which is up, which is down, which way do I look to find what's going on? This is exactly what's happening right now. Now, those were, uh, oddly enough, very, very selective, you know, stories of espionage. Espionage is not like, you know, just honeypots. Espionage is... 
Spies, Lies, and Murder. This is it. And what do spies do? They collect information, right? They observe things because it's all about power. But what happens when one of the best of the best of the best and a group of the best people that engaged in espionage actually had a conscience? Actually did not... I would say align with the power structure and realize that it's time to utilize all those tools and boomerang it back to just give it back to actual, the people. This is what you are seeing now. You're seeing people that have come out of the shadows that have come to Counter, the counter, the counter, the counter. By not, well, I guess, trying to help directly, but more so, as you can see, throughout your cyberspace, there's tons of little pockets of information rising up. Obviously stimulating you beyond belief because you cannot fathom what is real, what is not. Yet. When you sit in your center and you step away while the winds, the storm is brewing around you, if you can sit in the eye of that peacefully, it all makes sense. If you can listen to them tell you who they are, every single one of them. Here's a very good example. Um, Put together this incredible video because... Everybody tells you who they are. Everybody. There's not one person that doesn't tell you who they are, but you have to listen. And the thing that has been happening, this attack on the people that has been happening for eons, is to confuse them and to not be able to listen anymore. So I want you to listen. Listen when people speak to you. Because when you listen, they tell you the truth, always. Um, I have what you know now. Do you wish like you had a, sec- a, a third term? Africa's democratic progress is also at risk when leaders refuse to step aside when their terms end. Now, now, let me be honest with you. I do not understand this. But under our constitution, I cannot run again. I, I used to say, you know what? If, if I could make an arrangement where... Um, I had a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats, sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Like I told Barack, if, if, if I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Um, we, we don't have that. I'm a, we haven't, and we discussed. Public place, you did it. Probably the Obama thing. <laughs> John, what's the, oh God. Oh God. John, what? What, what is, what is your wife talking about? I don't know. What happened? We're not going to discuss that. We're not going to discuss it? We're not. We're Why? not. Everybody tells you who they are. Every single person tells you who they are if you're listening. Everyone. And the thing is, we've learned not to listen at all. 
we've sat there and allowed other people to tell us what we're supposed to be listening to. Here's another one of those examples. I understand it was a little part in your leadership. And what a dramatic and significant impressive change. The world goes straight relationship. If your answer is yes, what to make you to happen? There is a an article in the Washington Times just today, uh, which makes a comment about uh, dozens of sales uh, known to the top officials of the PRC going to Pakistan. And this is not the first occasion. This has been a pattern which goes back many years. And uh, the State Department under the last administration and for some time has really backed down, not wanting to make a, not wanting to make a point about it. And uh, of all of the issues of concern between the United States, or as the United States has with the People's Republic of China, that is the uh, that is the most significant. And if there's to be uh, a long-term working out of problems, and if we're to maintain the uh, preferential trade status, that's going to have to be resolved. With the students, I came away with Jiang Zemin must understand that it's not in China's interest or our interest or anyone's interest, including North Korea's interest, to have a long range missile capacity. And that he should be talking to our friends in North Korea, as well as Mr. Putin is, and as well as we are, that there is no benefit for such a development. If such a development occurs, in spite of a genuine attempt to reach a verifiable accommodation that that will not occur, then I think you will see there will probably be enough votes in the United States Senate to support a limited nuclear defense. What topic came up? I believe there would be a much greater willingness on the part of Taiwan to accept some of the entrees made by um, Beijing, if they believed they were heartfelt and believed that they could be trusted. Conversely, I believe Beijing would have a very different attitude about Taiwan and Taiwan's future if they had a clear understanding of the American position relative to Taiwan. Uh, university and, uh... China is not our enemy. There is nothing inevitable about China and the United States not being as cooperative as any other two nations in the world. Interesting, isn't it? I made that video called Beijing Biden. It's very interesting because when he was in uh, China at the time, uh, his uh, son uh, was receiving cash. <laughs> pretty, pretty darn interesting, isn't it? It's, it's actually very interesting. Interesting how people cannot see. Now, many people are impatient, and I agree. Uh, I'm impatient myself. But we don't pay attention to exactly what 
And if, mm, let me rephrase that. We don't pay attention to what is being told to us. Now, if you look back after this video ends and watch that portion with all those carefully collected stories that were put forth to you, you'll see that within all those tales, there are very specific happenings. Distrust. I think if anyone was to identify 2020, it would be distrust. Distrust in the media, distrust in our government, distrust in everything we see. And we even distrust our eyes and ears. And that's perfect. It is perfect because it is faith that you should use to guide you. Faith, your inner voice should be guiding you to which way you should go. Your instincts, your gut. And so this is perfect. The fact that you cannot trust anything you see and hear takes you back to the basics. So there's a story, uh, a story of the fall of angels. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Ever since their fall, there had always been a trickle of demons who wanted to come home, right? Some were fallen and realized they made a mistake. Others were born in the bowels of hell and had never, ever seen the light. But they all sought the same thing. Remember, eternal life, heaven, our creator, our God, has always been more willing to accept the prodigal children with the biggest embrace. These past four years, that embrace has been open and waiting to even the most militant and unforgiving archangels to welcome those that have repented. Those, the first step would be to ask for it, to actively ask for it, right? To actually actively ask for it. But at the same time, it would have to be not to be discovered by their comrades and somehow fall into the area where, you know, like the angels hang out by the water cooler and say, yo, please don't kill me. You know, I want to help. This embrace has been open to many in the past four years. And remember, even the people that had the arms open to say, come, come to us, still didn't even understand what redemption means themselves. I mean, if an angel was standing by the water cooler and then like this demon walks up to them and says, hey, I want to help. I want to redeem myself. Like, for example, you know, if Bar walks into the water cooler and says, I want to redeem myself. The angel itself wouldn't know what to do because the angel itself would be like the demon might be lying to me. There's no way a demon can be selfless, right? There's no way that there is that much selflessness that they really want to redeem themselves and help. The angel itself, not God, the angel itself would have to protect the demon from all the other demons, right? So that way it can carry out the duties. This is kind of the way espionage works too. So these are the redeemers. What you're seeing is indeed biblical. Redeemers avoid politics by all means usually, right? And they don't pick sides. They are always impartial and they always stand to flank both sides. They skirt the orbits. They can dance with the devil and dine with the holy. They are impartial. And it's those that find that grace so impartial as to give the full sacrifice. Now, again, the only time this is apparent is when it's at a time of demoralization. 
demoralization. And so let's pretend God was watching these angels at the water cooler and, you know, demons were coming and they were like, here, I want to redeem myself. Um, they're planning to make all these people want to do crack and cocaine in the corner, or they're starting to encourage people to cannibalize. I'm just saying, right? And then the angels themselves, because they are not God, they are simply angels and messengers, don't take that leap of faith. They fall too, because they've done a disservice to man. So it's a very, very long sit in perspective. For because while many people see the actions that have been occurring this past year, chaos has ensued. Complete chaos has ensued. And the one thing people shouldn't just speak, never ever use goodness to speak or as a shield. Use it as your path. Things come to fruition. So while many people are sitting there thinking, oh dear, the electoral college, wait, I'll, I'll play you the clip. I'll play you the clip so you can hear it, so you can feel that anger. So you can feel that demoralization because it's important you do. And when you feel pain, and, and as, as someone that, that physically goes through, through pain, and I know there's many of you out there, when you embrace it and you make it part of yourself, it doesn't hurt so bad. In fact, it helps you conquer it more. So I want you guys to watch this clip of the Electoral College, right? Watch it and feel all that you want to feel. Feel the betrayal, feel the pain that no matter what you are saying, no matter how loud your voice is, you're not being heard. This is what the actual vote for president looks like. 20 votes for the Honorable Joseph R. Biden. For President Donald J. Trump. Joseph R. Biden has received 16 votes for President of the United States. 538 presidential electors met around the country pledged to vote for the winner of the popular vote in their states. It's not just out of tradition, but to show uh, folks uh, especially now more than ever, um, our system works. This process, nearly as old as the nation, has never before received this much attention. In Michigan, the state capital where the electors met was closed to normal business over what officials said were security concerns. As expected, Joe Biden received 306 electoral votes, Donald Trump 232. In this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed, Biden says in remarks prepared for a speech tonight. The number of election lawsuits is now down to a trickle without a single significant Trump victory. And legal experts say after today's vote, the ability to change the result in court is gone. Everything and, to, and the Constitution makes today both the day and the last day. The Electoral College ballots now go to Washington to be counted in a joint session of Congress January 6th. But President Trump still refuses. His advisors told Fox News that his supporters will conduct their own electoral voting. An alternate slate of electors in the contested states is going to vote, and we're going to send those results up to Congress. This will ensure that all of our legal... But there is no way to present any such alternative slate of electors officially, and besides, the Senate to accept them, and that won't happen with the Democrats in control of the House, Lester. NBC News fans, thank you. I tell you. They're telling you, you can try, but you won't succeed. You can try, but you will fail. So I'll play for you one of the most important videos ever. And I stand by this because there are so many people out there that, you know, always text me and talk and say, well, how do you have, you know, the ability to have faith in a time like this? How do you, and I tell them I'm a time trap. I already know what's coming. The problem is that the future changes every second the present is past. And 
your demoralization and what you perceive as fact and truth in this chaos is what drives it. So if you allow them, if you allow them to demoralize you, if you allow them to superimpose, well, the Associated Press has made it clear that he is the president-elect. If the Electoral College with faces like Stacey Abrams intimidate you, then you're not ready for battle. No one should intimidate you. No Goliath should intimidate you. Nothing. The cross that's being born right now by all is being carried by all. And if you fall out of the ranks, well, you know, then that means we've got to find someone else to lift that up. So demoralization makes you enraged. You can be outraged, but not raged. Yesterday, I was very disheartened to see that those angels sitting by the water coolers were not using their inner voice and their inner guidance, but using their brain, using those higher processes that they fall on. Their discernment has been skewed because they're in the midst of chaos too. It's very important that we understand that. So let's watch this as an intermission. One of my most favorite videos ever and my most favorite audio. I can listen to this again and again and again. Years from now, some of them may look back and ask themselves whether they've made the right choice, whether they've made the most of the opportunities they've been given. Together, we have the same mission. Over the course of your life, you will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Don't give in, don't back down, and never stop doing what you know is right. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever became easy. And the more righteous your fight, the more opposition that you will face. In your hearts are inscribed the values of service, sacrifice, and devotion. Now you must go forth into the world and turn your hopes and dreams into action. America has always been the land of dreams because America is a nation of true believers. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. When the founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, they invoked our Creator four times. Because in America, we don't worship government, we worship God. It is why our currency proudly declares, in God we trust. And it's why we proudly proclaim that we are one nation under God. The story of America is the story of an adventure that began with deep faith, big dreams, and humble beginnings. The next generation of American leaders never, ever give up. There'll be times in your life you'll want to quit, never quit. Never stop fighting for what you believe in and for the people who care about you. Carry yourself with dignity and pride. Demand the best from yourself. The more people tell you it's not possible, that it can't be done, the more you should be absolutely determined to prove them wrong. Treat the word impossible 
as nothing more to be an outsider. The more that a broken system tells you that you're wrong, the more certain you should be that you must keep pushing, keep pushing forward. And always have the courage to be yourself. America is better when people put their faith into action. Pray to God and follow his teachings. Today, each of you begins a new chapter as from here. It will be defined by your vision, your perseverance, and your grit. You will build a future where we have the courage to chase our dreams, no matter what the cynics and the doubters have to say. You will have the confidence to speak the hopes in your hearts and to express the love that stirs your souls. As long as you have pride, courage in your convictions, and faith in God, then you will not fail. As long as America remains true to its values, loyal to its citizens, and devoted to its creator, then our best days are yet. May God bless the class of 2017, the United States of America. And I just want to let you know that God blesses you. And I want to just say, you are special in every way. God bless you and God bless America. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You are the class of 2017 because 2017 is when your education began. And now, while the East is riddled with storms, people need to understand one concept. We always have this idea that in the midst of chaos and pain, that we have guardian angels, these watchers. These watchers that are everywhere, what if they were real? They come in all shapes and forms, right? It could be something that gives you that, that watches everything, that watches everything and begins to engage when it's necessary. Kind of like the weatherman. The weatherman watches everything. But he will only report when the storm is right there at your feet. This is what watchers do. They sit, they watch, they participate, and then they emerge, correct? This is what espionage was all about. They sit, they watch, and then they emerge. Well, what if there are just people like President Trump that have been watching and lurking? And then who have they been working for? Have they been working for the government? Have they been working for who? They've been working for the people. President Trump has been working for the people for the longest time. I believe that no one's realized it and taken that perspective. Now, if you take a step back, take one step back, and look at the United States of America from the moon, picture it. Picture that you are seeing the United States on a map. You're hovering above the globe and you see it. I can tell you right now that the world around us is on fire. You're not seeing it, but you can feel the heat. 
you're hearing about the lockdowns, the supposed deaths, leaders getting COVID, fires everywhere, China sweating, trade falling. Look at your nation right now. As our walls surround our nation, what do you see? That while the world is on fire and under attack, we're attacking ourselves. And the thing is, those that are doing good are also causing the most harm because they are not looking at it as an outsider. They are looking at it as an insider. President Trump said, always think of yourself as an outsider. Be that outsider. And then when you do do that, you're the calm within the chaos. And this is why this is one of one of the picture of him hugging the flag is one of my favorites. But this picture, the one where he's in Mar-a-Lago, while there's chaos ensuing around him in 2017, what happens? He's sitting there peacefully with a smirk on his face, finding his still in the chaos because he knows. And this is how everyone should see it. Everyone should see it as that still in chaos. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you have to sit still. It doesn't mean that you have to stay silent. It just means that when you roar, you smirk just like he did. You do it your way. That's the way it is. Now, I'm going to get um, through on an intermission, and then we're going to discuss this huge storm of 70 million pretty interesting number being affected by this winter storm and heavy snow in the Northeast. So let's go for this actual intermission and fill up our coffee cups. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart In my heart I have but one desire And that one is you No other will do I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim I just want to be the one you love And with your admission you'd feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart. All right, welcome back. I hope everyone is enjoying the Tory Says Show today because what I'm here to do today is to tell you what you need to be doing. We don't care what they're saying and what they're doing, you, what you need to be discerning. What you need to be focusing on, how you can focus on you 
so you can have that discernment. Now, what is an avalanche? An avalanche is a mass amount of ice, earth, rock, or snow that comes down swiftly over a precipice. And we are at the precipice. And it's so overwhelming, right, that you get buried really, really quickly. And this is what we're about to see. I mean, they're already telling us that there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. They're telling us huge snowstorm. More than 70 million affected by this winter storm. You should listen to them talking about this winter storm. Take a listen. It's pretty interesting. The winter storm that is hammering the East Coast. More than 45 million Americans are now under winter weather alerts this morning. Parts of the Northeast region have already seen at least two and a half feet, including more than a foot in just three hours. So for more on uh, what we can expect, we want to bring in CBS News meteorologist and climate specialist Jeff Berardelli. Uh, Jeff, we spoke to you yesterday. Everything you promised is exactly uh, what occurred. Just how much snow have we seen so far? And where is it the worst? Who got the most? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Near Binghamton, New York, Johnson City, the northern tier of Pennsylvania, the southern tier of New York. So pretty far outside of New York City, about a three-hour drive or so. Uh, incredibly, a band just set up shop right there. Take a look at it. That's the band. And it just sat on top of the same area. In 15 hours, places tallied 40 inches of snow. I mean, some of the heaviest snow I've seen in such a short range of time in, in my career uh, doing the weather. And it was right around here. So right around the Binghamton area, now Albany. Uh, this is where the heaviest snow totals have been. Look at that. Endicott, New York, 40.5 inches of snow. There's a look at the radar right now. So it's still snowing in Boston. It's going to be snowing most of them. New York, it's beginning to wind down just at the moment. And again, the heaviest snowfall rates right now up into parts of New England. All right, let's show you how much snow we've seen so far. Johnson City, 38 inches of snow. So that's just west of the Binghamton area. Albany, 16 inches. Again, it'll keep piling up in Albany. They're going to get a little bit more. We'll get more snow so far, 10. Newark, New Jersey, about 10 inches of snow. It's about over in Newark, maybe another half an inch. And Philadelphia, around 7 inches of snow. So this is a whopper. I mean, talk about totals near 40 inches in 15 hours. Just incredible. Yeah, storms kind of have different ways of kind of rolling in and going back out. Sometimes they they melt and then they freeze. And so can you give us a sense of just like in terms of the combination of the temperature and the precipitation, just how this storm is going to ebb and flow over the next, I don't know, 24 hours or so? Sure. That's a good question. So the warm air, any mixing, we had some mixing mm -hmm. with sleet in New York City. We also kind of got dry slotted, so we didn't see as much snow here, you know, eight to 10 inches of snow or so. Uh, but Notice now it's just out of the north. And so what you see is what you get. It's going to be snow the rest of the day in New York City all the way up to Albany. But notice that in eastern New England, it continues through the afternoon hours, especially Boston, uh, up through New Hampshire, Manchester, and into Portland as well. And then in the evening hours. So I think we're going to see several more inches of snow in places like Boston. In fact, we will show you that. Mm -hmm. So wherever the purple is, that's, you know, nine, maybe 10 more inches of snow. Manchester, Boston could see another six to nine inches of snow or so. Uh, snow. So uh, we're, uh, you know, going to total some pretty amazing totals, especially this early. Everyone needs to panic. You're going to get snowed in. You can't have Christmas. You're not allowed. Look at it. The panic, the fear porn. What's wrong with that snow? I've been in seven foot snow. I've been to a place where I had to dig my front door out. I had to have someone with a bobcat come and dig 
me out. But for some reason, everyone should panic. This is important. This is, this is where we're at. This is exactly where we're at. We're at that point where they're just holding us hostage constantly. Hostage to an illusion. Mitch McCain. Because when people think that the Democrats, who are so blatant with their... The electoral college. With their atrocities, okay, and their ways, they believe that the Democrats, who are loud and show their face, are who you fear. You should never fear someone that tells you who they are. You should always feel fear. Fear those that tell you they're someone they're not. Here you go. ...has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The President-elect is no stranger to the Senate. He's devoted himself to public service for many years. I also want to congratulate the Vice President-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Beyond our differences, all Americans can take pride that our nation has a female Vice President-elect for the very first time. I look forward to finishing out the next 36 days strong with President Trump. Our nation needs us to add another bipartisan chapter to this record of achievement. But our system of government huh. has processes to determine who will be sworn in on January the 20th. The Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. You remember when, he, when someone kicked his ass? Do you, rem do you remember that? Do you remember how important that was? And I stressed it. People are like, oh, you fell. Told you it was very important. Chaos. C-H-A-O-S. The chows. But one thing that you need to... Uh, think about is words. We've talked about words before. We've talked about how important words are. And one word that should come to mind is anagrams. Anagrams. It's a word or phrase made by transposing of the letter of another word or phrase. What does that mean? To rearrange these letters to discover a hidden message. These are all definitions, right? This has all been defined. In Greek, anagrammatismos, to, uh, to, to, to transpose letters, had been seen as reprogramming, okay, reprogramming. And so the history of the word anagram is taking what was intended for one purpose, that word, and flipping it to another. And I made a mention of this a couple days ago, and I'll show it to those that are watching, and read it out. But I said to live, you must conquer evil. Live. L-I-V-E. Evil. E-V-I-L. That's an anagram right there. And anagrams doesn't mean just words. It's also people, situations. So when you look at things, there's always a duplicity. Remember, everything is about duplicity duplicity, two meanings. So if you spell the word live backwards, it's evil. If you spell the word evil backwards, it's live. So in order to live, you must conquer evil. You have to find a way to do what? Reverse. There's that duplicity, that image, that yin yang, how we say so this is one thing that I want you to keep in mind as you see the news coming through. Think of duplicity. Think of what it may mean other than what is being told. Think of it as duplicity. So when the president speaks to you, think of what it means 
for you. Huh. Funny how everyone is talking about the Romans. <laughs> you know, if people looked at a few things with fresh eyes, if people paid attention to certain things with fresh eyes, they wouldn't hate me so much. You may hate me now, but you'll love me later, and I'll try not to hold grudges. 3,763. If you see it for what it is, it'll all make sense. And sometimes it's spelled out pretty simply. See, because I had tweeted that, to live you must conquer evil, a couple days ago, three days ago, I had to spell it out today for someone to understand what I meant by it. And I had to walk you through so you can understand the duplicity of things. Now, while many I feel like are in tune, I want you to look into the past and figure out where our future lies in it. Are we in a world of redeemers at the moment? Are we in the world where the watchers have come out, you know, those that have been sitting idly? Let's see what our president has to say. This is where you can see the duplicity. Mind you, Sidney Powell's case in my actual affidavit is in that, has made it to the Supreme Court docket. As the president is fighting this war, this war of a megaphone, because it's not realistic, it's intended to demoralize you and it's up to you to stand to it. He's telling you that he has nothing to do with the potential prosecution of Hunter Biden. Having seen what is and what they have, you'd be very surprised. But he is not one to give justice. Our creator doesn't give or execute the justice. It's his angels, right? It's his messengers. Our creator is to be impartial and inspire the people to meet up and come to him. Voter fraud is apparent. He's telling you it. He's telling you. Michigan fraud witness totally debunks Dominion CEO. I told you that the Dominion employee was there too. Chris Krebs asked that people like me that have been claiming that there's algorithms that swap the vote should be prosecuted. This is what will come, that all those that have been fighting silently are there. It's a, it's a big war. It's a very, very big war. But there is a plan. And there are many components to this plan that a lot of people don't seem to mm, appreciate. So there was a report on Wednesday that there was a hacking campaign that affected government networks, and it was significant and ongoing. It was actually stated that this is a developing situation, and while we continue to work to understand the full extent of this campaign, this hacking campaign, right, we know this compromise has affected networks within the federal government said a joint statement issued by the FBI, Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI. Technology company SolarWinds Corp., which was the key, Kong Yang, stepping stone used by hackers, said up to 18,000 of its customers had downloaded a compromised software update. Damn! Kind of sounds like my affidavit, how the software and firmware on these stupid components are the back doors. Kind of like how I tried to demonstrate it with the Kyocera, you know, printer. And then I had all these, you can't hack it. They have a firewall. And it's like, 
you know, people never learn. They just don't. Over the course of the past several days, the FBI, CISA, and ODNI have become aware of a significant and ongoing cybersecurity campaign. The FBI is investigating and gathering intelligence in order to attribute, pursue, and disrupt the responsible threat actors. Stop. White House National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien cut short a European trip on Tuesday and returned to Washington to deal with the attack. So on Tuesday, when I got back, he went there because he had to deal with that attack. See, the one thing that uh, our intelligence officials can't fathom, right? They can't fathom is how someone as stupid as John Brennan, right? As stupid as John Brennan, because he's thick, thick as bricks. He's like the dumbest person I've met, but he's sneaky. And he uses forces that cannot even be repeated. How he had such an elaborate, organized system. And so I say to you, Taiwan is to China is China is to the USA. I want you to let that percolate, percolate that thought. Taiwan is to China, is China is to the USA. And then it makes sense. It makes 100 million percent sense. Now, as the lockdowns continue, European leaders are self-isolating uh, because they came in contact with um, the geriatric lover, Macron. Now, this report is making people smile and saying, ha ha, you're getting your virus. Well, we all know that this, you know, coronavirus has cured the flu. I can tell you that through my time from November and December, being in the midst of Washington, D.C. and Virginia and other places, I came in contact with a lot of people that were tested positive. I even shared a glass of water, was it? I think it was water or it was where I was tasting some juice thingamajiggy with puree. Where the person that evening went home and said, I felt sick, I had a fever and the chills and I have COVID. And I was fine. I was totally fine. You know, people just get COVIDed sometimes. I was totally fine. I've told the world in March that the tests that they're conducting are to put you in a database. For those of you that haven't self by yourself, volunteered your genetic code, your footprint, your molecular software that can be hijacked in a heartbeat with what they call personalized medicine. I told you, I told you that. And why did I tell you? So that you can be aware. Now that everyone sees all these tests for this virus, they see that it's simply a DNA test. So if you haven't contributed to Ancestry.com that was purchased by Jones International Group, well, one of their affiliates, right? One of their subsidiaries, let's call it that. They've got the biggest damn database out there. They've got your banking, your health, your education, your criminal records, your anything records, your social media, your emails, your texts, your phone calls, and now they've got your DNA. So what do you do? You've just been marked completely, completely marked. You know what the most intricate footprint of one's body is? It's not your fingerprint. Aside from your molecular software is depicted in one organ only, and that's your eye. Your eyes are the footprint of your soul, your makeup, your genetic makeup, everything. And 
I remember when I was, um, when I was flying around, I thought, let me do this. I actually signed up for a quick clearance thing. Why? Because how can I tell the people what it is if I haven't tried it? I'm going to sit here and preach to you. Retinal scans. They've been around for a very long time. I think the first time I had a retinal scan ID was in 2001. Your eye is the most largest identifying marker you have. Your eye. So many of you that have traveled, will travel recently, have seen this uh, line, not the TSA pre, but it's called clear. And they charge you $150 for the whole year. But instead of you standing in line, waiting to get your ticket checked and everything, you walk up, you look into the mirror, it looks at your eyes, and it identifies you immediately. It has your passport information, your banking, it has everything on file. And then you walk to TSA. You just hop into that line. You skip that whole line. And that is the biggest seal. See, your molecular software is one thing, but your iris demonstrates your molecular software. I'm going to leave it at that. That'll be a future show. We'll do it around, I don't know, February. The last day of February of 2021, we'll do that show. And it'll be important then because we're going to have the best I'm going to have a whole week long thing because I want to see a repeat of March 4th, 1865, 64, the elections of 64, so 65. Because by the end of February, February 21st to 23rd, you're going to see just how fine everything is. Now, there's another timeline creeping up that I want to discuss. But first, I want to give you the joy of watching and trying to understand what's really being said the coronavirus. here. coronavirus, Emmanuel Macron, attended a European summit meeting less than a week ago. Now other leaders who recently met with Macron are going into quarantine. Roxana Saberi has more from London. Days after French President Emmanuel Macron greeted European leaders, he's tested positive for COVID-19. The president's palace says he has symptoms but didn't specify what they are and that he'll keep working while isolating for seven days. Now a series of officials he met, including Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, will do the same. The news comes as France this week eased its national coronavirus lockdown and tightened an overnight curfew. The virus is still raging there and across Europe, including in Sweden, where King Carl Gustav is now acknowledging that his country has failed to protect the elderly in nursing homes from the pandemic. Sweden has long stood out for shunning national lockdowns and relying on people to social distance themselves. In Germany, which closed schools and non-essential shops yesterday, and in London, which is now under tighter restrictions, officials are calling for this year's Christmas celebrations to be much more subdued. We should exercise extreme caution in the way we celebrate Christmas. Uh, we can celebrate it sensibly, but we have to be extremely cautious in uh, the way we behave. So they took away Easter, and now they're taking away Christmas. And I had a great interaction with someone uh, over email. I'm still plowing through all my emails, and I haven't even been to my mailroom because I've been extremely busy. And I don't think people can understand that. Actually, yesterday I did something social. I went... Uh, uh, to dinner with my friend who's, um, you know, who had some uh, health scare within her family. So I, it was long overdue. <laughs> um, I do like to to be there for, for, for people when I can. Uh, 
Um, so I'm going to be heading to my mail room today. Oh, I still have to sort out my closet that was rained in too. <laughs> but I'm going through emails. And this specific one was perfect. And I want to read to you um, something that was stated. A young man who worked on a farm pondered the meaning of Christmas over breakfast on a snowy winter morning. Why would God become a baby on earth? How absurd. Because of the snow, he tried to round up the field chickens from the cold and into the warm barn. However, the more and more he tried, the more and more they scattered. And finally, he gave up. Then a strange thought occurred to him. If only I could become a rooster and tell them in their language that what I'm trying to do is for their own happiness. Ah, the meaning of Christmas is God becoming human to teach us what is for our happiness. Wow, right? Perspective or what? So think about it. Think about that for a second. How is it that someone can speak to people in their language and bring them to where they need to be correctly? In a time now though, right? In a time now where we're going through one of the biggest infodemics there are. The virus is actually the global media. The only way to speak to one another, because I have a lot of listeners that I interact with and another one today interacting with a close person to them finds it frustrating that they cannot see and they cannot hear. And how do they become the rooster to tell the chickens, right? Or the chicken, hey, I'm, I'm just trying to open your eyes and, and show you. How do you do that when you're being bombarded by disinformation everywhere? How do you do that when the disinformation you get is partial real information? So you get some real information bloated with a bunch of misinformation. That's the way communism works. They tell you and they sell you the idea that you're going to be happy, that you're going to be strong, that you will be able to live a better life if you obey. There's restrictions. That is not the way free man and people with free will work. Uh, suggestions, guidance, opportunities, and options are what make free will work. So how do you trigger that free will in someone? By just simply showing compassion and agreeing to disagree and discussing things that you believe their eyes can see and you believe their ears can hear. That's all you can do. Because for years, it was since 2017, the beginning of January with my old, old social media account, I've been telling the world of a meeting, a meeting that was held within the White House, which there may be audio for. I'm sure there is. Because one thing John Brennan loves to do is keep record of things to hold their feet to the fire. Who do you think will hang higher? John Brennan or a Supreme Court justice? Uh, a chief justice of the Supreme Court that colluded to destroy this nation. Which one? Apparently, Lynn Wood just tweeted out, in discussing real, in discussing President Trump in a phone conversation on 819, Justice John Roberts stated that he would make sure the mother would never be reelected. Roberts engaged in phone conversation with Justice Stephen Breyer, discussing how to work to get Trump voted out. <laughs> the one conversation we definitely have, and we all have breadcrumbs of it, 
is the one in the beginning of January of 2017 where he advised, where he advised then President Barack Hussein Obama, Comey, Brennan, Rice, Lynch, all of them, on what tactic they could use and what laws and what purviews and what boundaries they have to have to ensure the removal of this president, who because is righteous and because he walks with truth, has overcome each and every one of them. Now that conversation exists. That conversation exists. Yet those that are in a position to extract that do not wish to. One, it's possibly because they in their minds can't even believe that something so treasonous would be documented so well. You must remember, I did have access to everything. And I have said, Hurricane Electric is like library. Nothing ever goes away. It's like looking glass. You can track a packet as long as you know what IP it came from. Track it all the way back and get all those pieces, those little torrent files, and put them together. Want to make a bet? You could pull that out. Because we have everything we need. There is nothing missing. We're just not looking for it because we don't know what to believe. This is exactly where they want everyone, even the soldiers that are on the front lines. They don't want to listen. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. We will engage with tangible evidence, yet you are a man or woman of God. Why would you stick to earthly things rather than use your gut? That is the question everyone should ask themselves. Because now slowly, not to toot, right? Not to toot. Everything that has been said over the past three years on air with me has been coming to fruition slowly because it's always been there. It's not a secret. It's the most open secret there is. Chief Justice John Roberts, that everyone is focusing on, they're focusing in the wrong direction. Presidential archives. Why do you think Barack Hussein Obama signed the law to ensure that his records are sealed before he left? Think. With one swift order, with one stroke of a pen, we can undo everything. It's like finding that perfect thread to pull and have it all come undone. But unfortunately, even those of good cannot hear. I've warned you about SCOTUS Gate. And unfortunately, there's only one left standing to pull that pin. And that pin has heavy repercussions that weighs heavy, heavy, heavy. And yet we should pull it, right? We should pull it. While everyone's talking about the flight logs, remember, <laughs> I followed Jeffrey Epstein for a very, very, very long time. I even tried to cozy up and find my way into Deutsche Bank so that I can sit next to the then CEO that was sitting in London. But I didn't pass the smell test. You know, when you do something, 
and you don't have the power of those that run, uh, sometimes it's a miss. In 2016, a big risk was taken to ensure that we had correct and fair elections. A risk that seemed like a great idea at the time, I guess. A risk that helped give us a man in a captain's chair that was able to jump all those hurdles. All of them. And it hurts me right now watching how perfectly calculated even those that think they are doing good are doing exactly what those that intended evil predicted they would do. You know, they start talking about things like Julian Assange and UBS and Snowden. They're mucking it up to give you misdirection and lack focus, not intentionally, but because they believe that that is what you need to be doing. Focusing. Do not spread. You know, your most productive days are when you have focus, right? Focus. You focus on a task and you complete the task. And then you move to the next one. Right now, think of it this way. In your own self, how many fingers do you have? Ten? Guarantee you each of them are in a different pie. Talking. Uh, Pizzagate, we're talking. Julian Assange, we're talking. Seth Rich, we're talking. You know, uh, Mitch McCain, we're talking. <laughs> right? Brennan, we're talking. Assange, we're talking. Snowden, we're talking. China, North Korea, you've got your fingers in every damn pie rather than focus at the one that you need, which is to pull the rug right from under it. Operation Gridlock is in full effect. Full effect. Not just on your social media by these follow back BS campaigns, but with bombarding you with information that you don't need to focus on. You got to focus on the kill shot. The kill shot. So the kill shot is what we need to focus on. So for today and tomorrow, God, next week, all you need to focus on is the kill shot. All you need to focus on is what is most important right now. How do you, how do you pick it? How do you know what that kill shot is? Is it going after Chief Justice Roberts? I mean, I've been talking about it on air. There's an actual episode from 2018 where I told you what they talked about because I heard the whole thing. That's impossible. Oh, yes, it is. You have no idea. While people are telling you this, 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 I heard it. And guess what? It's something. It'll put him to the side. I could tell you where to find it. I've been telling you where to find it. So go and find it per se, allegedly. So what is the kill shot, guys? Think about it. Do we uh, go along with the ballots, the trucks? I mean, uh, they've been guarding blank ballots and hiding them since 2018. You think they didn't plan this? You think they didn't plan this? 
You know, when our president was sworn in as the 45th president of the United States, while his speech was incredible, what I found more incredible was that the man that swore him in had to eat crow and do it because they failed. And throughout all this time, he has been pushing and pushing and pushing. I mean, we need to bring up RBG. We totally do. Because he knows. We can take it that way, but people wouldn't believe it. It's so hard. How do people package this? How do you tell someone that even your ODNI has no idea how high and scaled out this network of clandestine communication operations is? I mean, we've got Space Force, so they can see it from the moon now. But it's been there for a while. The START agreement, we haven't even talked about that yet. It's massive. But it's like I, I, I remember telling my teacher when I was a kid and I couldn't understand when the challenger was going up. I was really, really young. I didn't have teeth. I, no, I had milk teeth. <laughs> right? I remember telling my teacher, well, why are we going into space when we have so much unexplored on this planet? Why are we looking to run before we can crawl? So why are we looking so far when all of it is right here in your lap, hiding under your nose? Think. Hiding under your nose, right there. And no one's looking. So we have to pull this pin. And so the direction of this pin is going to be very important. Because... From a civilized civil, civil war, we're now in a full-blown war. A full-blown war. I kind of wish, I kind of hoped that it would have been, you know, through multiple avenues of communication, either that be sound Sound is always the most effective because the one thing you can't do with your voice is deceive. People can hear deception because it resonates on a different frequency. Visual, you can deceive. You can deceive very easily, especially now in 2020. Written can also be deceived. It's very rarely that you can read the undertone if it is a very short passage, like a drop. But audio, when you close your eyes and you just listen, you get immersed in the frequency. And our president has that frequency. There's many others that have been trying to reach out, if you were listening, to how this show is going to play out. We're seeing it in front of us. We're seeing them play it out. And you know, the most interesting part is they're talking about Iran again. And now this reporter, I absolutely adore her. If you're not following her, she's like so feisty. I absolutely adore her. She's telling you the other part of the story right now, which is important to listen to. Because it seems that all these enemies of our nation have now been brought to the forefront. And you're thinking, now? Really? This couldn't come out in August? You knew. Why didn't this come out in May? You knew. 
Why didn't it come out in April? You knew, you knew, you knew. Because it's a strategy. It's one of the biggest war game strategies there are from those watchers, from those that have been sitting in the dark waiting to come out. So listen to these words carefully. There was a focus on influence on the U.S. elections, both foreign and domestic, heavily yesterday in the Capitol. In fact, there's some news, uh, breaking news out of the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, CBS, reporting that John Ratcliffe has told them that there was foreign influence from China, Iran, and Russia in November in the 2020 elections. However, that seems to contradict what the former director who was fired of CISA, Chris Krebs, said earlier about the election, statements he doubled down on yesterday during that hearing, saying that it still is the most secure election in American history. Listen. The 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. Liar. That statement reflects the confidence these officials gained based on years of work. But the intelligence community is learning more information regarding the 2020 election, according to a statement released by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence yesterday and announcing that it would not meet a December 18th deadline laid out in a 2018 executive order signed by President Trump and providing a classified assessment of foreign interference. The statement saying, quote, the intelligence community has received relevant reporting since the election and a number of agencies have not finished coordinating on the product. And while the media most often focuses on foreign influence, one group says the influence of U.S. oligarchs slide under the radar, especially one tech giant in particular. Mr. Zuckerberg's funds flowing through charities paid for the election judges, paid for the satellite offices to turn out the vote, paid for the machines and dictated the policies that undermine state law. It is government's job to manage elections, and it must do so without a thumb on the scale and without private interest dictating how those elections are to be implemented. The Amistad Project unveiled a report yesterday outlining what they call a dark money apparatus made up of multiple nonprofits into which Zuckerberg and others funneled hundreds of millions of dollars into predominantly blue areas that helped pull Joe Biden over the line. Here we have private money that was in injected at the, at the last minute by by private by private entities. Jeff Carlson told Newsmax the money incentivized public officials to break federal election law and went to pay salaries and buy equipment, among other means. It purchased Dominion voting machines, tabulators. In, in, uh, in Madison, there was a mobile precinct they paid, that, that was $250,000, went to a mobile precinct. There was very, ballot boxes, all kinds of equipment. She said Krebs finally admitted were connected to the Internet after pressure from Senator Johnson. You know, as you move out, I today, told the world that years ago that uh, that may have Internet connections to transmit admit the vote from the precinct to the county level to the state. Again, security controls in place. No, there as weren't. Long as you have the paper, can't hack paper. Right, right, right. Yeah, you, you can, can run that process. But, th but those tabulators are connected on Election Day because that's how they transmit the data to the counties and also into the unofficial. Uh, in some cases, yes, sir. Yeah. That's right. OK. But is this infusion of big tech cash legal? Amistad's Phil Klein says no. It shouldn't be allowed under uh, U.S. law, and we believe it's currently not allowed under U.S. law. We don't need billionaires bidding to control election offices in the United States. And in the high-stakes Senate runoff in Georgia, this quote-unquote dark money can make all the difference. They're doing it again. 
Um, the Zuckerberg money is flowing. The Center for Tech and Civic Life is doing the same thing. You have the same fear-mongering that COVID is what requires it, while really most of the funds are dedicated to turning out votes in the urban core for the Democrat candidate. Klein also warned that if this kind of influence isn't addressed, what we'll have in the U.S. is a mere power struggle rather than a government that is truly representative of the people. Rob, Emma? She's great. And that was great context. But here's the thing. For years, I've been writing to the Senate, writing to our Congress, telling them that there's a place where all these multi-billionaires can sit and pay for access to anything. I told you that these machines were connected to the Internet. Uh, many people have. And they refused. Because then they had to answer one question. How was DHS in those machines in 2016? Why? Were they in those machines? I can tell you why. Because they couldn't deploy the scripts. Right, Krebs? They couldn't deploy the scripts. Right, Pilger? Because something happened. Something happened. Something that can be construed as criminal. Because destruction of property is criminal. But when they don't have access to the internet to deploy their scripts, they're going to go nuts when they see that Florida went to President-elect Trump. And they freaked out. And they came in hard. Huh. But no one knew. There were rumors. This group of people helped. That group of people helped. This helped. But the simplest answer to that, the simplest admission to it, was dismissed. Brendan got caught. Ugh. There's so much I want to say right now. And I'm holding my tongue. There is a lot that I want to say right now. And I'm holding my tongue. Not because I cannot but it's because I should not. If there was a way to take that kill shot, you know, pull that pin and pull that rug right from under. Someone asked in the chat, who would that shot be directed to? That one shot, it would have to be me, per se. You'd have to pull it. So the question is, does it have to go that far? Can we not all unite and work on it? Because it's going to happen anyway. Because the alternate timeline that's clicking, the one that's coming up, doesn't look so fair. It looks pretty interesting. People are now fracturing. What if I told you that every single person, and I have, is good? I've told you that they're good because every person is good. For example, Alex Jones. I've known Alex Jones for a long time. I remember sitting somewhere where I got <laughs> sand in a crevice that shouldn't have sand because it was so bad. And I was asked by someone, what the heck? Why are you listening to that guy? I said, because he's, he's a genius and you know he's the one that got away. They love geniuses because they can control geniuses because geniuses have one problem. They think they are smarter than everyone and that they can see you coming. They can't. So what you do is you take a genius that's at a peak and you hijack them. They can't see you coming. But if you take a genius when they're not at their prime and you begin to groom them and you begin to push them outside of their peak as they're climbing, that is the biggest mistake you can make. This is why center lane failed. You cannot take Someone that thinks and acts and is an outsider, out of this world outsider, and think that you can mold them into your tool.
You can only take those that have peaked and mold them. Because when you're on a high horse, you can't see the ant on the ground. So I always believed that Alex Jones was a good person. In my heart, I knew after he married his prostitute, you know, she has like a site where she was selling sex. Like seriously, no, no, no shame at all. You want to shake your booty. You like having sex. I totally am for it. You know, hey, you know, I've been insatiable in my life before. We're all human. But like I said, I would have been his best handler because I would have been a good one. Good one. I loved his brain. His brain is no longer there. He was hijacked at his peak. And now he's slowly coming apart. And how do you expose what is going on? How do you expose what is happening? You let them pull their own pants down. You see who comes to them. You see who hijacks them at a time of turmoil because one of the best has just creeped in. This is how you can see it. So slowly, you will see that free speech systems is not so free speech. You will see just how these foreign, how foreign interference works. Now we speak about Fox and CNN and CBS and ABC and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. I mean, YouTube demonetized me. So those of you in my alternate channel that paid for subscription petition that shit back, you know, they came at me. You're using Tori says content. I am freaking Tori says whatever. So I urge all of you sign up to Twitch a lot better to just listen. You don't even need the video. Sometimes <laughs> you're going to see that all of them were so high on their horse. They didn't see the juggernaut at their feet. And that's the one that causes the elephant to swat its tail. When that happens, pants fall. You will see people falling from everywhere. Krebs had to eat crow. He sat there and said, they're not connected to the internet. Well then why was the DHS in the election machines? What do you mean? If you're connected to the internet, you are penetratable, period. End of story. No other thing can happen, period. You can't say it is an iron fort nah, because that fort was made by man. And if man has made that fort, you can take it down. And that's the way it is. You can penetrate everything. So as you see, the voices that you believed were guiding you to truth with half-truth fall apart. Disperse the people that spoke truth. You'll see. Alex is going to start firing people left and right. I think I heard from a birdie. David Knight was fired. Well, David Knight. So think, think. Why did Alex Jones fire Millie? Did he realize who Millie was involved with? Who does InfoWars hate the most? Think. Why would he hate truth? Why would ban video ban a video? Think. So now think. Newsmax is great. But what if I told you there are people there, some of them that I can't even erase the image of the bib and dancing with glittery things, that have already succumbed to these evil people, this fourth unelected branch of government. All of them are everywhere. But they are nothing compared to you because we are many, they're few. So when you see the news today, see the news tomorrow, you have to remember, upstream collection existed. Watch Shadowgate again. And for those that believe they know, that have what, what is it called? That, you know, uh, have the highest intelligence access that the U.S. has, well, it's probably not in the U.S. Because Taiwan is to China 
as China is to the U.S. That's key. So I wanted to warn you that outnumbering you in voices is essential to confuse and demoralize you. Making them seem like they are more than you. Making them seem invincible to the law and to accountability. (laughs) When in fact, they're outnumbered by hundreds of millions globally. They exaggerate their power, their money, their size by spreading fear and pessimism through all of you. It's like throwing dust in your eyes as if those people on CNN, people like Krebs, people like Alex Jones, Ali Alexander, he's being given a platform by Epic Times. Who owns Epic Times? Epic Times has been reporting from the beginning of this until today. And guess what? They've had a timeline from beginning to end. They know the whole thing. The atrocities, the map. How do I know that? Because I gave it to them. Justice is very swift and very blind. And it comes very quickly to those that deserve it. So when you want to take your enemy down, your target down, you demoralize them and make them believe that you are more bigger, you are smarter, you are more powerful, and that you outnumber them. But think about it. Stand on the moon. How many more of us are out there than them? And we have a leader like Trump who's taking the lead. Remember, I talked about that phone call. That phone call on that spider phone, huh? where there was advice being given in early 2017 to Barack Hussein Obama. You will hear that soon. Because, <laughs> huh, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. It'll come. And I've, I've said it again and again. And many of you were like, well, when's it going to happen? I'm sorry. It just has to be the way it has to be. Because this is the only way you will be able to see. Because your eyes cannot think. For themselves, right? Unfortunately, there's a brain behind your eyes that discusses with you off the record, right? <laughs> what you should be thinking of. So that's how it is. Your brain is processing it, and that's the problem. What you need to do is not have your brain process things and be that rider on the storm. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs>